Welcome to the Tearing It Up podcast. I'm your host, Taryn. We'll be tearing it up, tearing it down, and tearing it apart, dissecting all things related to those who deviate from the standard. From leaders of their industry to leaders of mediocrity, and maybe a gear review or two thrown in. We shoot the shit and let the conversations flow, so if that's not your style, this may not be for you. Otherwise, listen in. Hope to light a fire in you somehow. Hello, podcast listeners out there. Welcome to another episode of Tearing It Up. We are here today with Anna from Chick Fly. So I met Anna, another one of the wonderful vendors who was at Swell. And if you listen to that compilation episode, you heard her on there. So again, those were just quick little episodes, 15 minutes long, maybe max, where um, the vendors just told us a little bit about their business. So I'm excited to have Anna back here to talk about her business, Chick Fly, which are pants that allow you to pee without taking them off, unbuttoning, unzipping. Um, So I'm really excited to kind of dive into more about what like how or why she started Chick Fly and where Chick Fly is going and all that. So, Anna, where are you at right now in the world? Well, um, I'm about two and a half or three years in from launching Chick Fly. I launched in um, on Kickstarter in January 2021, and then I launched the online store in September of 2021. Awesome! So yeah, about two and a half years in. <laughs> very cool. Very cool. And it. Yeah. <laughs> and it's definitely like a, a time of like reassessing and looking back and trying to figure out like how, you know, how do I move forward or what's the best paths and introducing, you know, new sales channels or trying to, you know. Um, so I feel like like I'm in a phase of kind of like reassessing everything. And I have two businesses. So that's a big, you know, a big part of it, too. Yeah. And they're not like intertwined. Are they two completely separate businesses? Oh, they're completely separate, but they're philosophically intertwined because I'm okay. a hydrologist and a watershed scientist. So. <laughs> oh my God. Okay. Amber, you got to tell her yeah. a little bit about you um, here because Amber didn't I'm, get to meet her at Swell. So yeah. Um, yeah, I'm in school right now and uh, hydrology, like being a water protector is like my goal it's like what's pulling me Uh Um, so yeah we should talk more it's a wonderful field I think it's stress I mean stress there's aspects of stress um and stuff like that um but it I really love it so we should talk more we can talk more about that today too or how they find totally (laughs) your master's or your bachelor's or what I have a master's I uh I did my bachelor's at Humboldt State in environmental ecology and my master's in like forest hydrology at the University of Montana in Missoula I started my company village ecosystems in 2009 and that's how that's how I get paid Chick-fil-A right now I don't get paid at I in fact put money out to you know make more styles and try to and stuff at this point so yeah I I understand (laughs) that I mean not to the level that you're at especially the product-based business but yeah the not being able to pay yourself kind of thing so so I switch back and forth between businesses since I work from home I often (laughs) will work on one for a week or a month because and just barely keep up with communication on the other and then I switch back because I can't just switch back every single day all the time Uh my brain gets fatigued from like jumping from project to project and since I have my own business village ecosystems it's there's already like 10 hydrology projects there and even switching between those is a challenge wow (laughs) yeah what's the name of your other business 
Village ecosystems. Village ecosystems. Okay. Very yeah. good. Yeah. Noting the, that. The gear switching okay. is so hard for sure. Yeah. Just like I'm still trying to find how to manage different things too. Cause like doing it all five different things throughout the day is so hard. Cause you're like, you have momentum for one. You're like, Oh wait, now I have to turn over here and answer this email and put this hat on. And then you're like, Oh my God, I'm so tired. I feel like I did so much, but you're like, but did one thing get done or not? <laughs> did it complete yeah, one task? Concentrate. My, my brain has a hard time switching gears. Like if I'm in a problem or an issue that I'm thinking about, it's like, even though I might not be sitting at my computer working the whole time, I am like while I'm cooking my lunch, mm-hmm. like I'm in my head and it's still like rolling and I'm thinking about it and solving it. And then when I sit down, I'm working on it. So if I, if I have to switch gears, it's almost like I need that like prep time in my brain mm-hmm. to get up to speed on whatever was going on on that project before to get to the next step. Yeah, I totally understand that. Um, you mentioned you went to Humboldt State is and you're in Ukiah now. So are you from that Northern California area? I am. I'm from Mendocino County where I am. I'm from the coast of Mendocino County, Point Arena and Mendocino and stuff. Awesome. I spent a little bit of time in that area. Um, wow. Not a whole lot, just a little bit here and there. But yeah, it's beautiful. It is beautiful. I do love it. It's beautiful. Um, I wanted to answer your previous question, though, about how the two businesses are tied together. Absolutely. Yes, please. So um, the hydrology, obviously, is there's a water cycle in that. So there, that's liquid. But I really have always been interested in nutrient cycling and hydrology, which is like cycling of nitrogen, phosphorus and potassium. And which are like main nutrient components of urine. And that's obviously used in agriculture. And there is, it's, in my opinion, our wastewater in the world is like our biggest contaminant of waters, period. It's not in our region. In our region, it's sediment from roads and such. But Mm -hmm. in the world, it is. And even when we put our wastewater through wastewater treatment plants, we're usually sanitizing and not treating for nutrients and the nutrient and then that wastewater from a city is usually released actually into a river into an ocean it's not like infiltrated into the ground where the nutrients get to like get reabsorbed by plants usually (laughs) so we have a huge contamination that causes algal blooms and that's when there's so much nitrogen like if you were to look out at a septic field it was a little leaky, you would see a lot of like healthy plant growth and green grass. Mm -hmm. Well, basically that happens in the water with algae and they use up all of the oxygen and then in the water, because water has obviously oxygen in it and it's oxygenated. And then other aquatic species like fish die because they don't have oxygen to breathe. And so there's this cycle that happens and our current wastewater treatment doesn't actually fix it. So it's an opportunity to teach people about how to pee without contributing to this problem. And the best way to do that is to pee on like healthy mulch soil that has enough capacity to like handle those nutrients. So essentially has like growing vegetation right there that wants to take it up. And when we do that, we solve the other problem that's happening in our landscapes, if it's like agriculture, which is that we make our fertilizers out of fossil fuels. So we take um, natural gas and then we turn it into nitrogen fertilizer. And that takes a ton of energy. So it takes a ton of more fossil fuels to turn it into nitrogen. And then it's this synthetic nitrogen that we put on our plants. 
And that actually also leaches out to rivers and causes algal blooms more quickly because it's so immediately plant available. It's not bound up like manure. And so it's basically just a healthy way to um, solve both of those problems. And uh, like phosphorus is actually mined, like they just remove mountains to get it in, instead of um, getting it from manure like it used to be. Um, so they're very tied together philosophically. Um, but economically, they're not tied together at all. <laughs> yes. Wow. My mind is blown by all that. Yeah, and that. I don't, I didn't do that enough. That was um, beautiful. That was amazing. <laughs> and yeah, I didn't do enough info or research rather to like put those two things together. I'm like, that is not what I expected at all from like, why, you know, you started a brand like this. That's just not what anyone would think. And that's why I love to have these conversations because you get to find out like really where it came from the inner workings of someone's mind and how you got from like step A to Z. It's not just like, oh, yeah. I just wanted to be able to pee easy because I'm a woman and it's like annoying. For <laughs> like, uh-huh. That's amazing. Yeah. Well, that's definitely a part of it too. Just wanting to pee easier. And I grew up without a toilet. So I grew up with an outhouse and we always peed outside. And so, um, you know, first, I think even before I invented the pants, although I had been thinking about the pants, I like learned how to like pee without toilet paper. And that was even my whole childhood. Like I didn't know how to do that. It wasn't until I was an adult. And I think that was the first step. And um, then, yeah, I was like, well, then our pants aren't really made to do this easily. Mm-hmm. And yeah, anyway. That's the associated so... need for privacy if if you care about it yeah 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 so if you didn't use toilet paper what did you do well I have a technique that involves just like spreading the lips of your vulva or even your butt cheeks and it's actually described in these free pee manuals that are on my website my website is kickfly.com and it uh will prompt you to sign up for the newsletter and get the free pee manuals and I have two p manuals one is a raunchy and illustrated version and it's supposed to be comic so if you get my kind of raunchy comic humor you may enjoy that and the other version is a um still anatomically correct but not raunchy version for people that aren't like quite ready to go down that yeah and i also have a um how to shit in the woods thing because it's just so important and people don't know how to poop in the woods and it's just really disturbing when you're in a natural beautiful place and you just see like piles of poop and toilet paper yes Yes. and I have a method on that that I think is really well adapted because I kind of wrote it from the perspective of like okay everybody it would be great if we all carried a shovel and our toilet Mm -hmm. paper or whatever we need in the back of our car um but a lot of people don't and what do you do when you don't have anything and I have a method that um mostly is about like moving a large log or stone and getting the natural hole that's already there like usually you can get find a hole that's you know eight inches deep by moving a big rock and then you can put that big rock on top of it and I think it at least helps prevent small animals from getting in there maybe not a bear or something like that but um, yeah yeah that's I remember um gosh it was like in 2012 now so but I was doing some traveling around the Southwest. And so we were camping on a lot of BLM land and my dog would just wander around and that's what he would come upon. And it would just be so just like, come on, like, 
you're out here. There's obviously no services. It's BLM land. And like, why would you just, to me, it was so annoying that people would go out there without even being prepared of like, at least pack your toilet paper away, you know, like bring a bag, a Ziploc bag or something and take that away. Don't leave that out there. Like if you're not burying it, you're just leaving it right on top. It's just like, oh, this is just so gross. (laughs) Even burying it, that can stick around for a while. So Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and like, if you're not burying it like deep enough or something, other animals can get right to it. I mean, a dog could sniff a small rock, turn it over, whatnot, but it's, yeah, those are all great resources. We'll definitely be sharing all those in the show notes so people can just get to them easy. I'm very intrigued by the uh, P manual. Yeah. 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 That one I really care about. I've been working on it for a long time. I actually, actually have been working with a woman. Oh, sorry a um, non-binary person from um, Germany who has co-authored it with me. And they approached me like eight eight years ago or something to, actually, they heard a different podcast I was on about that topic, how to pee, which was before I invented check-flight answer. Oh, wow. Cool. And said they wanted to write a book about it and asked me to co-author. And so we've been working on that. And that is like the next level of the pee manuals. And um, there's really actually a lot of information. It's kind of surprising, but sweet. That is amazing. A wealth of knowledge, sister. You wear a lot of hats. Like, I'm just impressed and amazed by you. I think we froze up for a second. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I was just saying, you are one complex creature, and it just seems like you've done so much with your life, and you have a beautiful philosophy. And Wow. Wow. Oh, thank you. So impressed. I, yeah. I know, me too. I'm, I'm like, like in awe over here. It's crazy. Same. <laughs> well, also, also, to be honest, I was looking at the resources you sent, just scanning over um, like all the blogs you have and stuff too. And because it's just so much more than what I feel like meets the eye when people see these kinds of companies. Like I said, I think the first thing is like, cool, it's easy to pee. And um, especially, you know, you have like a jumpsuit, right? We'll dive into further. But, you know, for instance, like, great. Now I don't have to worry about taking off my whole entire outfit to go pee. But like the um, the blog you have about working with someone with diabetes Uh huh. And so, yeah, it's just like you have so many more reasons behind it. And I know when I talked to you at Swell, um, even talking to a a man who had experience with using your pants and it's it. Yeah, it's just all about accessibility, really, not just like ease and convenience. It is about accessibility. Yeah, that's a that's a main focus. And there's like all these different types of accessibility that we don't think of so for most people or at least like half the population of the earth which are mostly women um it's mostly just there you think like oh it's discretion and then you think like how much do i pee outside some women never do it some women do it a lot um and then the women that do it like do they care about being seen or not and some do and some don't and so that gets down to this smaller market but I think what's really important is thinking about like the access that it provides to other people that might not have that access otherwise. And so like you're getting at the woman with diabetes. Um, she's a woman who's a forager in, I think it's, it's Ontario. And so she is out in the winter a lot and she has type one diabetes and she uses an insulin pump. So she needs to have her insulin pump kept warm near her body 
And she says that in normal pants, when she pulls her pants down to go pee, the port, I guess, of the insulin pump that's in her thigh will actually like rip out from the friction of pulling up and down her pants. And oh. she just said, it's so easy to have my, my pump kept in my pocket so close to my skin where it gets stays warm and doesn't like freeze up and malfunction. And then the, the um, tube or wire for the port goes directly through the fly. And it's also easy to open the fly and go pee like while the port's through it. And so that's just like, that's like an accessibility thing that makes me feel like so great, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I've had some other, you know, medical reasons that are specific disabilities and they're all unique, different mm-hmm. disabilities and different reasons why. So that's like access to your body or access to be able to go to the bathroom, but it starts to be at an access to life or an access to public life or something like that in certain situations. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And then the other extreme is like an athlete who's a woman and may have to be at a disadvantage, whether it's like a marathon and in an area that doesn't have a lot of bush maybe or they feel the need to run off the trail and find a bush that could take you know 30 seconds because and every minute counts in a marathon mm-hmm. and being able to just like go quickly and shave that 15 seconds off your race or someone that's a climber and doesn't want to unbuckle their harness for safety reasons mm-hmm. when they're on a mountain or a cliff so there's all these like really different uses and it's actually one of my challenges to provide a products for all the uses and also market to all the uses and market to that diverse range. Another market is older women that can't um, bend their knees when they pee. And that really is where the peeing and standing comes in. And, you know, I've had a letter from a 70 year old woman who says she loves cross country skiing, but she was having a problem because she had to pee and she couldn't bend her knees anymore. And so she couldn't pee with her pants on. And she said she was able to pee with with the chick fly pants just without bending her knees. So these are just like super exciting stories to me but challenges for me to overcome with the marketing side. Absolutely. And to, um, for people who haven't checked out Chick-fil-A yet, can you explain a little exactly how your product is different from other products um, as far as like not having a zipper or a button and um, yes. like the material? Cause they're mostly kind of um, legging style, right? Like yes. that kind of material, not uh, like heavier canvases or anything like that. Right. So um, they are made out of a four-way stretch fabric and the functional of the design of the fly is actually built into that stretch. Like it it works because it has four-way stretch. So that's a necessary component of the fabric. So basically what it is, is it's um, two legs of a pair of pants that come up and meet into a bikini. And it's like you stepped into two bikinis, each with a leg and one leg goes to the other side. And you just stretch it and open it and pull it apart but it always closes on itself and through elastic tension and closes back up and you can open it in the back or the front and even though it's a fly and it goes all the way from front foot to back if you open it in the back it doesn't actually open in the front so you still have the privacy in the front and if you open it in the front it doesn't actually open in the back so and it can open a tiny bit or a lot and there's no fastening device aside from the elastic tension it it just, you just pull it open and let it go for it to close. Sweet. It's easier seen than described. And go to the about page of the website. You can see some photos of how it works. Absolutely. It sounds functional and dynamic because I am a person who doesn't like to wear underwear. I know we're rare, but like, I always worry about like the zipper and what it would feel like if I choose to 
not have the undies, you know? Yeah. Well, I wear, I don't wear undies either most of the time, although we developed some pull apart, a pull aside panties and any stretchy underwear will work with it. Um, but, uh, I know with the Nara pants, they work pretty well for me. I had one of their early styles. I didn't have the new one, but um, I think part of their patent includes like a zipper cover on the inside. Got well, it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it is also nice not to have the zipper. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> I haven't I have to do anything with yeah. it. Yeah, it seems I haven't tried the Nara pants and I've heard a lot about them. And I know Tammy Joe also had she spoke about those and your pants when we had her on um the first time and she was talking about the rebel rally um so what i like about these sounds again i haven't tried nara so i can't speak to it or anything but it seems like chick-fil-a like gives you a little more width and a little more options as like being able to how small or big you need to open up or whatnot Uh And just the yeah. four-way stretch. I mean, I'm all about yeah. anything that doesn't button and zip right now. <laughs> <laughs> I can't, I don't know. I think that their older model was a looser pair of pants. Their newer mm-hmm. one are tighter. And the mm-hmm. older one actually, because it had a little bit of bagginess or looseness to it, I, it may have opened up wider. I don't know. I remember it opening up wide. I used it in combination with Chick Fly, um, snowboarding and cross-country skiing. And they were amazing in combo in that because they have the water-resistant layer. And I use kickfly as a base layer and it was a great combo. That is so cool. Cause I was just going to make the statement too. And in no way are we like trying to put one over the other because you are different brands and you're offering different products for different things. And so the Uh fact that you just said you can blend them together and use them like that is amazing. And I love that because when you spoke about the woman, the cross country skier, that was my thought of, okay, well, what happens when she needs to wear a heavier layer outside yeah. whether I mean if she's I'm a fair weather cross-country skier so a soft shell would work not a, I don't necessarily need a hard shell but I'm still probably going to have something heavier over the top sometimes I go in just leggings but yeah so I was wondering how chick fly could be paired with something else to help in those situations I think that there's like a great need to expand all the different products that all both my design and NARS design are used in. Mm-hmm. Um, like I need, they mean there needs to be bibs which have a fly that works for women. And then I need to get to the stage where I'm making more different base layers and body suits and all those kind of things that match and go with that. Um, and it's just, you know, one of the challenges is of being a startup in a s- small company is that I can't make everything I can dream up, you know? Exactly. <laughs> and like, the, there's so many needs, like you've already there's said, so many it's like, needs. how do you even, yeah. how do you reach them all? You really do have to buckle down and, and focus on kind of one more niche market to start and figure out how you can expand from it. Because I'm 100% all about bibs and the drop seat, but because yeah. I don't really care if I gotta go I'm gonna go and if someone walks by and sees my ass like sorry I'm going yeah. but a lot but... of people still the drop seat doesn't work for them or you know they, they don't care about it because of the discretion part they're like I still have to bear my ass to yeah. to pee and I don't want to do that so chick fly kind of and Nara, where you're at. yeah it's, it's rare that the discretion kind of matters mm-hmm. um 
but I've had some skiing situations like actually last year where I was like, I'm totally far away in this forest where I want to pee, but it was like busy. The ski resort was busy, you know? Mm -hmm. And I was like, I just want to pee on this tree, but like somebody can see me for this angle and that angle. And since like over there on the slope, which is kind of far away, but still there's like a hundred people that if they look at this way, they can see me. So those are the kind of situations where I'm like socially self-conscious. Yeah. But I don't really mind if there's just like a hiking, a small hiking group of a few people that walks around. Um, it's yeah. kind, of, kind of situational, you know? Totally. Um, some people might argue that I shouldn't be peeing in that situation because it's too public. And I disagree. I think any man would pee on a tree. And I think mm -hmm. I'm so far from the lodge and so far up on the mountain. And I think my pee is just gonna go into this forest and be healthy and yes. plus I think I have that right it's it's good to listen to your body you know what I mean like we you should yeah. have to listen to your body when it has to go pee when it has to go poop like when you you know you gotta listen to your body and it's just one of those like societal things that makes us not listen to I know it. because it makes you like literally drink less water if you're skiing yeah. all day because you're like do I want to go pee once an hour and go all the way to that like hot lodge at the bottom of the mountain and take off my gear or stumble down oh, the stairs oh, and I didn't want to do it. Yeah. Yes. And yeah. Um I've many of women that I've talked to, even just in their day-to-day, -day, on a working day that there's a bathroom accessible, they're like, I'm not drinking water because I have a bunch of stuff I gotta get done today and I don't want to pee 500 times. Yeah. Um so whether yeah. that is of convenience or not it's still just a thing that we think about of like oh how much water am I going to drink because how often am I going to have to pee and like you said men will pee anywhere on that mountain and there could be situations that first of all you're far away and where I'm at it happens often like a lift will close down for whatever reason or it might be on hold for something so you might be hanging out for a while and to Amber's point of listening to your body it is if you're already cold you should not be holding your pee. Mm -hmm. Like it's, oh, you need to, you got to let it out because your body's using so much more energy to use those muscles to hold your pee in mm -hmm. instead of using it to keep you warm. So when you're out camping or doing anything in the cold weather and you got to pee, just pee, let it out. Don't hold it yeah. in. Let yeah. It yeah. It's like, it comes to some deeper issues that, yeah, those instances are probably further and fewer between, but still it's like, <laughs> You never know yeah. what's actually going on with someone, so you don't need to judge them. Yeah. Right. <laughs> totally. Oh, so amazing. you said that you are at a point in your business where you've been in it for a few years, so you've learned a few things, and now it's time to reassess. Where? What do you mean by all of that? Well, I need to branch out and to different markets besides just my online store. So I've just started to get wholesale. I. I think I tried to branch out in like three things at once and I probably should have stayed focused on one, which is, I think part of my problem is I, I like get these big visions <laughs> and it's really easy for me to start like all of the parts of the vision at once rather than being like, I'm going to focus here. Anyway, I've been working on wholesale and I just got like the wholesale numbers and the line sheet and fashion lookbook and all that done um, to start that and got my first wholes. I sold my first wholesale products. Awesome. To one, company, one company, one local store. Um, and that's in Santa Rosa. Oh, what is it called? It's called Nancy's Fancies. Oh, and, um, I love it. Yeah. And I, I then I had to switch gears to back to hydrology and write a bunch of reports for the whole month, basically. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. 
something more on top of that before Christmas. Um, so if you know any stores that want to do wholesale and carry my product, you're welcome to either ask them to or ask me to follow up with them. And I would like to do that because I'm looking for stores that are a good fit. Um, and let's see, I am working on a patenting license deck because I recognize that I can't make all the products that need to be made with Chick-fil-A right away. And so I'm hoping some other really cool companies will approach me and be like, we've got this product. And it's like, for example, a snowsuit bib that I don't mm -hmm. have time to make right now and the time yeah. to the money to do the research and development because it takes so much like ordering samples of fabric because not only does it have to be for way stretch, but I'm really trying to stick to sustainably sourcing my fabrics. And it's so, 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 so hard. Mm -hmm. And so like I spend time on the internet sometimes searching the world for fabrics for like hours, you know? Mm -hmm. And uh, ordering samples from China that sometimes take two months to get here sometimes and getting, you know, most of my fabric is from Canada right now from a wonderful company. Um, and that's partly why I've stuck with that um, knit. I have like a bamboo knit and a um, merino wool and eucalyptus, kind of like a sweatshirting material. And then um, recycled nylon is are the shorts that we just came out with and we'll be coming out with um, another a pair of leggings with the recycled nylon wow. later this year That's or next year, actually, the beginning of next year. And so I'm, so I, so let's see. <laughs> you a really good example of my brain goes in like a million directions. Oh, we right totally there. get it, yes. <laughs> We are so right there with you. Don't you don't understand probably how hard it is for both of us to be like biting our tongues shut yes. right now. Because <laughs> yes. you get so excited in the big picture. And I, I hear like I hear and feel you. Really <laughs> yeah. That feels so good to hear. Yeah. It's really challenging. It's financially challenging because I'm funding it myself and I, you know, I'm a mom. 16 year old and I live in a house and the head of my household and hey, I have to pay my bills. Yes. Yes. I, I hear you. And it's all, um, it's, I think the, oh, what is the reass? It's not exactly reassessing. It's like, I don't know. It's like a continually trying to become more efficient too and prioritize the things that are important or the next good step because mm -hmm. there's so many different directions to go in. Yes. Yeah. Uh, we talk about this a lot on our podcast, but there is a woman who we had on here who helps people with their time management and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. And every Monday morning at 8 a.m., she has a free live on Instagram and she just helps you prioritize your priorities and where uh -huh. to focus. And it's just a great thing that's free to start your week. Oh. And um, I've been trying to do it, but it's around my kids' drop off time. So it's just a little hard. Yeah. But, um, next Monday. What is it called? It's uh, Julia Arndt, I think is her name. Yep. And yeah. uh, I'm not exactly sure her Instagram handle, but we could send it on over to you. But um, she has a live every morning at 8 a.m. And cool. just a yeah. great way, like really great way to start your week. It's called mm -hmm. plan, <clears throat> plan Your Week with Julia. And I've linked it in the show notes, but yeah, I'll send oh, you cool. the link over. But yeah, it is great, especially on those Mondays that you wake up and you're like, okay, I want to do five things over here and five over here. And like you wake up with the excitement to get things going or anxiety of all the yeah, things you yeah. have to do for the whole week. And it can be a place of just sitting down and focusing and being able to look at it. Uh, Cause for me, I know even just this morning, I was thinking like, wow, it literally takes me probably five times longer to do anything than I think it will. 
because time just goes so fast. Like 10 minutes is not that long. I feel like I used to be able to get ready for school in 10 minutes because I literally would wake up out of bed and get dressed and go to school. But now I'm like 10 minutes. Yeah. Okay. I could do a workout. I could make breakfast (laughs) (laughs) and drink my coffee. And I'm like, I barely made it down the stairs in the 10 minutes that I had. What do you guys do? Um, well, I work at a local retail store here in Tahoe. Um, I'm the marketing director there and I was a sales associate for years and I still help out from time to time, but I've moved over to the full-time marketing there. Mm-hmm. And then I have a personal training business that I'm doing just remotely right now. Um, we have the podcast on that. Yeah. And then I, um, I'm also a sales rep for Dovetail Workwear. Cool. Yeah. Wow. So. <laughs> Yeah. 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 And I'm currently fun employed. Um, but uh-huh. am a mother. I'm currently a student. And yeah. Yeah. I work at a bar here and there. Uh-huh. I work there for like And what are you studying? Um, environmental science for now and like hoping to maybe get my master's in hydrology or something. So that's why Well, definitely like call me about it later and we can talk about water science and hydrology more. Well, when we get Amber down to Tahoe, um, maybe we can, we, we talk about it every year of road tripping one way or the other, or maybe both ways Mm -hmm. that, um, we can stop through Ukiah. Oh yeah. Yeah. But I oh, did. Well, I have a little studio in my backyard. You guys can stay in. It doesn't have a bathroom, but you're welcome to use mine in the house. <laughs> I love nature peas. I tell you what, <laughs> <laughs> especially in some chick fly pants, I'm sure. But yeah. I did want to talk about when you brought up sustainable fabrics and whatnot. And being in California too can make things. If you already are trying to find sustainable products and fabric, this isn't an issue for you. But I know that by next year. California will not be able to buy any like products with PFAs in them. Right. And oh. so it's forcing, it's going to force a lot of people to get mm-hmm. rid of those things, which is good, but it's going to cause a lot of, a lot Riff of problems rack. with, with brands and products and stuff. So for us, like at the retail store and for any of uh wholesalers that you come in contact with, like I said, they won't have to worry about your product, but it's going to be like, oh, I carry this and now we can't until you get rid of that. So it's it's a good push, okay. I feel like, and hopefully more people get on board with it. But mm-hmm. again, it's just like thinking of those things. You're not, you have to literally think about anyone in the world who could buy your product and can they use this? Can they use that? Like it's a product-based yeah. company is, I sometimes wish I had one because I want to create something and it feels like a service-based product is hard to to grow and get out there and reach people and if they just had something tangible they could hold I'd be like oh god I wish I had a product but at the same time I'm like but no I don't because oh my (laughs) god the millions of things that go into that and the cost especially when you're thinking about moving or not thinking about but moving into wholesale that's a whole nother thing of how many orders now do how many do I have to make if I have five stores plus my e-commerce and you never know how that's going to go that could be just you know one week super super high and then another week super low so trying to manage all those numbers and I hate numbers so like that's a lot well that has been a huge learning curve for me because I didn't study business and my first business is a service-based business that's based primarily on my like knowledge of like science and stuff and 
you know, some good customer service, but other than that, it's not the same thing. So I've been on a giant learning curve. And even when you talk about it, Taryn, like I'm at a level where I have to like concentrate to follow you because of the marketing terminology that that is not familiar to me, Mm -hmm. even though I've been working on it for two years, three years, you know? Um, Yeah, I like numbers, but I'm definitely like kind of like stumped by marketing a little bit. (laughs) Um, I feel like I do some things really well or I have, and then other things I've really failed at. And I just don't know, you know, it's a a huge learning curve. Absolutely. There's so much into owning your own business and like especially when you're trying to provide a product or service and how do you reach all the people that you want to reach when we have these brains that are not really tunnel visioned (laughs) or like your brain excels in one thing and not so much in another and like you said the nomenclature and all these different like specialties is like what are you speaking right now so yeah I totally hear that because I'm sure like people who don't really understand hydrology and you talk to them about that and use your nomenclature that's just like common to you they're like wait what you know what I mean like it just it's true yeah it crosses all specialties I had to concentrate yeah. really hard at the beginning of this podcast like <laughs> to follow along like oh, what are and you, I fully what? understood everything and I was just like oh my god that was I was like almost in tears I was like you're saying it so well it was just so beautiful I was like it was great I can't wait for you two to chat more about it um because I just know how much Amber loves water yeah Yeah. (laughs) wants to just like dive into it and I think having someone who's experienced in in it um is so helpful having a mentor at all someone you can talk to who can even just say like keep going and who's had the experience is so beneficial in life so which brings me to kind of a question about Chick-fil-A and starting it is how long was this idea festering in your mind before you were like, I'm going to create something? Did you create something on your own and test it out just for yourself? Uh, It was was about 10 years and it happened um, when my kid was a baby and I was using elimination communication. I don't know if you're familiar with it, but it's when you're like, it's when you list, like if, if you do attachment parenting and have the luxury of staying home with your kids so that you're with them all the time, you can get hear cues from them and make sounds that get them started on potty training really early. And like, if you make the sound and hold them over the sink, they like actually go when you make the sound if they have to go. So it's like this very basic like training. Is it kind of like Pavlov's? It is a little bit like that, I think. But it's also listening to them because they might do like a little squirm right before they pee or something that's unique to them. So it's being in touch. And um, it's common in India and China, I believe, and just a lot of Asian countries. And um, instead of using diapers, they have bare bottom babies or they have something called split pants, which are like these pants that fall open naturally. They're basically very similar to kick fly, but they're not made out of stretch fabric. And when a baby like squats, they kind of open by themselves and they don't provide privacy so much as just an easy way for babies to pee. And so I had been making some of those off patterns on the, from the internet, basically for my kid. And then I started making them out of like old recycled sweaters and stuff. Cute. <laughs> yeah, I had heard that wool. I don't know if this is true. I'd really like to confirm it if we have any organic chemists in the audience. But um, I have heard and read on like 
wool baby diaper company websites that when urine mixes with lanolin, which is natural in the wool, it makes soap. And so you don't have to clean it as much, basically. Now, I really would like to confirm that. But basically, I was like, yeah, let's make it out of wool because it's the healthy thing to have with the (laughs) urine, or at least these diaper companies are advertising it that way. Um, And then they were a little bit stretchy. So I kind of began to see how um, if it was a really stretchy fabric, maybe you could make a different style. And I like thought about it for a couple of years. I didn't do it yet. Um, Although I was exploring the other, um, the how to pee without pee and learning to pee standing and all that stuff during that time. Um, and then I think one day I just tried to make it and I like went to the Goodwill and I bought a really big stretchy skirt that I could cut up and I cut it up and I um, stretched the fabric around and made it and it like worked like the first pair of pants I made worked and wow. um, they didn't, you know, come apart and they didn't even have any added elastic or anything. And so that was probably like 10 years before I launched, probably like 12 years ago. And then I just um, went into this really slow phase of trying to develop the pattern and just like get it right and figure out the right fabric and all that. And I also started like, you know, chick fly on Facebook and started to kind of build a following and I shared it right away, which maybe wouldn't have been good, but luckily nobody picked it up and I was able to get my patent and the patent took a couple of years. And um, yeah. And then I went into the phase of trying to make a movie, which also took for Kickstarter, you know, to launch the thing that took me five years, basically, while I was still like doing the other things and like being a mother. Yeah. And trying to get like a fashion designer to make a pattern that worked. And that the first person I hired worked on it for a couple of years, but didn't work out. And then I hired somebody else. Um, I hired Eloisa Serrano of Bay Thread and she's been amazing. And she's, you know, done the production of the products down in the Bay Area because she has factories she works with that are local. And um, she's, uh, yeah, I just absolutely love working with her. So that relationship has been really important in being successful at making a good product. Yeah, there's just so much that goes into starting an idea and like knowing where to go. And this, it's it's great to hear your story. Also, <laughs> um, who is your child? What's your child oh, like? My child's name is Io. He's 16 and he's incredibly sweet. I'm really lucky to have an amazing child. Yes. <laughs> I mean, not all children are amazing. I guess I would say I'm really lucky to have a kid that's pretty happy and has good friends in school and like has that emotional stability um yes really lucky yeah yes I've been I have an eight-year-old boy Mm -hmm. and so I've been trying to like really trying his whole life to just make him emotionally secure and and, like how to do that because there's phases and they change and we evolve and yeah making (laughs) Guiding someone in being emotionally secure while trying to also learn be emotionally. Yeah. Did you um did you grow up or like learn to make clothes or sew or anything? I or did, did it, okay? I was wondering, like, did this just happen with with the baby and the the diapers? Is that where your interest peaked, or were you always a maker? I was always a maker. I'm like a super maker. <laughs> I like, love uh, well, I make, yeah, I love making things. I love building things in 3D. Um, I'm also a general engineering contractor. And I, when I finished my hydrology master's, I went a bit into construction because I wanted to um, build things and not 
wait for science to inform policy to make things get built way, way in the future, which I'm actually feeling like I'm going a little bit back to the science at the moment right now. But, um, <laughs> but anyway, so I make, you know, do stream restoration and stuff like that. That's 3D. And I think I have a real spatial brain. Um, so yeah, I made patterns when I was super tiny. Um, I made a crocheted really young. I mean, I want to say like three or something. I'm sure I was sewing at wow. three. Wow. And my mom had like an old treadle sewing machine because we didn't have electricity. So, you know, you had mm -hmm. to like pump it with your feet while you sewed. So I used that. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm not a, I'm not a like a excellent seamstress or anything like that. I'm actually not enough of a perfectionist to like make, things to that level so I sew things rough yeah I mean, I gotta get that. for me it's about getting the pattern right mm -hmm. then I send it to Eloisa and she takes care of all the details and gets the right stitching and stuff like that that's amazing I'm so far from that that but I love it I like I always wanted to make my own stuff because I just feel like yeah things don't work and be easier if I could either just adjust things or make them myself but I've took home ec sewing and that's kind of the, and I can put a button on and sew a little hole and that's yeah. about it and I really like want to get a sewing machine and and learn how to but I just know I don't have the time or space really to to do that right now but maybe yeah. someday <laughs> yeah. and starting as small or as simple as like crocheting you know you gotta mm -hmm. start somewhere to finger it all out yeah <laughs> this is amazing Anna I just yeah, all the hats you wear are amazing me. What you just said about the uh, engineering too, throwing that just casually in there. <laughs> like, what? How do you do these two jobs? I mean, hydrology in itself, having a master's in that and having a business revolving around that, then creating chick fly and running that and being a mom and like, oh yeah, I'm an engineer too. <laughs> well, I'm not an engineer. I'm an engineering contractor. Engineering contractor. Okay. okay. I, didn't I didn't do all the engineering classes to become an engineer that does like um, stamp engineering designs. Mm -hmm. It's um, to con do construction. So in California, there's like a contractor A and a contractor B license. And those are like the general contractors. And then mm -hmm. there's the subfields like landscaping and electrical and all that. And I have both of those contractor licenses, the A and the B actually. But um, it's more just like I grew up, luckily I grew up being pretty at a, at a less much less sexist environment with regard to these kind of things so mm -hmm. I was encouraged to like build tree forks and I did build tree forks all the time and I had got like saws and hammers for my birthday when I was five or whatever so I got like all encouraged to do it and and um when it came down to college and putting myself through college or whatever you know um working to subsidize whatever at least <laughs> I did some restaurant work and stuff like a lot of women do in college. And I also did construction in the summers because I had that background skill. So when it came to like, when I wanted to do stream restoration and stuff and I needed like an extra license to do it, um, I was like, I had had the work experience to take the contractor licensing exams. Awesome. So, and I think most women don't have that construction work experience to get to the point to take that contract license exam. But those exams aren't hard in themselves. You just get one of those practice test books and study for two months and take the That's test. It wasn't hard. It wasn't a hard engineering test to pass. Mm -hmm. it, yeah. Well, I'm still very impressed. Yeah. <laughs> I, 
I was a county road inspector before this. So I've worked uh -huh. on construction sites and that's also a place where going to the bathroom and being a woman is a thing. <laughs> exactly what I was going to say. Like, that's just another example of where this product is needed. Highway yeah. work is a great example. And that's why I've like been really trying to be able to find the right four-way stretch fabric and getting a prototype that I can make more of a work pant out of. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it will happen eventually. I know I can do it and I have a prototype, but it's just one of those slow things and I haven't found the perfect fabric yet. So yeah. if anybody knows of the perfect four-way stretch fabric that also has some sustainability um, aspects at least. Yeah. <laughs> Well, and I would like to use it. Yeah, like you said, I mean, I, come, I, getting those patents, this is a prime example of how important it could be because you can't do it also if you stumble upon somebody who wants that pant patent because they have the other materials or the resources yeah. to combine forces. I uh -huh. mean, I just love that your mission is not just like, I'm keeping this all for myself. I want to get this out there in as many ways as possible so thank you yeah I really would like to get it out there in as many ways as possible and yeah. what a great way to make a difference in a necessity bodily function that we all do <laughs> and to like make such a small change like the things like your design just sounds so simple and like it's just a simple change you know and if it goes mm -hmm. global then it can be very impactful also, mm -hmm. I, I think have, it can. Yeah. I have a side question. Okay. Um, if you could reinvent the porta potty, how would you do it? Oh, well, people are doing that in Europe. And there's two companies that have women. Well, maybe they're not the porta potty. They're urinals for women. They're not porta potties, actually. But I would talk about I'm very interested in composting toilets and humanure and all that. So I can talk about that for a long time, too. Yeah. <laughs> um. And actually, I think there is a company that's doing that in the U.S. too. But obviously, you just create a pit of, you know, that can have carbon in it and compost like a composting toilet and um, bring that to a facility that has the capacity to allow it to continue to compost. And um, so I've been working on composting toilets for about 10 or 15 years in my county, which is actually uniquely positioned to allow pilot programs and such for composting toilets and they've had them before and uh so i attend like environmental health meetings on wastewater yes and um and we've made a good amount of progress on our program and you actually can legally have composting toilets in mendocino county um but what's funny or maybe not so funny <laughs> is that our current situation with porta potties is that they all just get dumped into a giant pit. Yes. That's it. Yeah. That's it. And I know where they are. One of them is neighbor to my property, not next door neighbor, but within, you know, half a mile um, in Point Arena. And it's this big piece of land and they just have a giant pit there. And I know that they have groundwater contamination and I know it's not, it's not, it's something that's not really talked about with, um, the North North Coast Regional Water Quality Control Board down in Santa Rosa because nobody really wants to talk about it. And so I'm like, why couldn't you just get, you know, how they have those like reinforced, I think they're one cubic meter approximately, meter by meter, um, ag containers that are plastic 
thick. I don't know if you see them, but basically they're very common here because we have vineyards and they're at, they're used for all sorts of ag. Some of them have closed, some of them are open, whatever. But basically they're about that size of basically the size of the base of a porta potty. I mean, you can just have a little porta potty house on top of that mm-hmm, and yeah. then move that and you could just dump it next to the pit. And if it had carbon in it, it would be way better and way less contaminating than the current situation. Um, However, the current situation probably isn't really legal anyway. So everybody's just ignoring it. Um, But obviously there's ways to compost. I mean, that's just like if nobody paid attention, even it would probably be better. But if you were paying attention and you're getting your temperature correctly and making sure your carbon nitrogen ratios are right and you're um, mixing for aeration, it's the things that you need to ensure quick decomposition. Obviously, you can compost that and get within the state's requirements for um, fecal coliform and E. coli and all those kind of things. And so I know that there's a company that was doing it, but I can't come up with their name and they were providing them for festivals. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Um, But I don't know if they got off the ground a lot. It's really hard to get one of these things off the ground Mm -hmm. because of the regulation to start a new program. Um, But I, yeah, I love, I love um, composting humanure of any type and another reason why I started. Yeah, (laughs) well, I'm sure it's also, it's not just like state to state, it's county to county regulations when it comes to something um, like this, right? It, so it's like it's so state. hard. Oh, it is it's state? Not, okay. Um, it's it's state. Um, yeah. Oh, okay. That's really interesting. I need to look more into that because I mean, we're... Um... What is it? It's OTS, on-site wastewater treatment policy. No, that wouldn't be correct. Well, it's definitely on-site wastewater treatment policy. That's just a route I never thought about as we're building... Um, and I mean, we're in a trailer right now. So we have, we dump our septic in a portable tank and take it to a RV park where we can dump it there. But I'm like, wow, wow I never even thought about the idea of, of compost. Yeah. It's very common here. Cause it's like, we have a lot of, you know, back to the land type people that have lived in the forest mm-hmm. forever without houses. And I think, um, a lot of people switched over to composting toilets when they read that humanure book that came out and, um, and so it's very common to have to have for people to compost their poop in buckets and there's like instructions on how to do it and the buckets are barrels you know whatever size mm-hmm. um and even you know when i was in college at humboldt state you know they had ccat there which i can't remember the name of it something for appropriate technology i don't remember what it stood for but it was like student house an old house on the campus that students took over not like with permission, obviously, to do all this appropriate technology. And one of the things they had was a composting toilet, um, you know, at that house that was a home built one. So you see it a lot here, a lot. You see it, it's allowed on properties that already have a septic system. It's not allowed to be your primary system. Okay, okay. So, and that's what I was creating and working on the pilot pilot program for is like a method for like testing and containment and all that if it were to be a primary system got it, got it. okay so, yeah so so, the, so it's pretty heavily regulated still but yep. yeah cool very important and we're all very like it's one of those things that we just don't talk about as a society like that and death are mm-hmm. and like the stuff that is just fundamental um yeah. so i feel like we are coming up on our hour mark here uh, is there anything that you want to talk about your company in particular uh, that you feel like you didn't get to share? Um, 
Well, I, th I had a thought about when you just said the PFAs and all that kind of stuff. And I definitely thought in my head about like, oh, I'm really glad that I've been like working so hard to not use plastics in my packaging and all that kind of stuff. Um, and I, I guess that's something I've been thinking a lot about is how to redesign my packaging. I started with like a, a bag that's corn-based and biodegradable and it's all right, but I'm still not like satisfied with it as a, you know, the method. I, anyway, I'm trying to get like, how do I get, how do I hit things that have synergistic benefits so that there's multiple benefits? And so I think I definitely need to go towards paper and it has to be recycled paper that's unbleached and then you get to recycle it or it's biodegradable again. So I've been thinking about a, a lot of um, those details. Yeah. And that was just a side note that belonged in the PFA conversation a long time ago. <laughs> That's okay. We jump around a lot. But I have, um, I've seen a lot of companies doing a twine or something and not packaging at all. So is that an option for you to just roll the pants and tie them up? And then put a sticker on them? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So they have their tag, whatever. Um, and so that's a thing too. I know that some companies now are not coming with any plastic at all, like no plastic hangers yeah. or attachments to their right. tags. Some still have we, that, but they are compensating with no packaging. Uh, it's just, like I said, rolled and tied in some kind of twine or something like that. Yeah. So well, that that's could be interesting. I think I'd have to have a paper slip in there just so that the um the label plus the label glue didn't stick to the pants because mm -hmm. I've had a couple instances where my package ripped and the label got on the pants and mm -hmm. it definitely damaged them and I had, mm. to, I had to replace them. Um, but I, so that's kind of, been, I did think about that twine because it's like kind of like an old traditional way of sending packages to wrap them in, in paper and use twine. Mm -hmm. um, I was considering like literally just a paper bag and getting a recycled paper bag and then um, maybe tying that with twine. You. I, I've managed to do it plastic free. We got yeah. that part, but it's so, just still, it, there's just always so much more you yeah. can do. And it's about doing the best instead of the part way that's halfway. Yeah. Or and yeah. that's the thing there. It, it's still coming in a box. Uh -huh. um or a or a paper mailing package um but then so it's just the items themselves so like if you're shipping to wholesale it'll be in a box but they're all twined to like rolled oh, okay. and twined so not just an individual like shipping to amber right. in just twine or whatnot but so yeah paper um or or box with so here, this is interesting because mm -hmm. what i did was originally the companies in the that are packaging it usually put them all in a plastic bag and I was mm -hmm. like I don't want them all in a plastic bag and so we did some that just didn't have any sort of um packaging they're just the product in a box mm -hmm. and then we did some with um putting them directly in the mailers mm -hmm. so that they have a bit, you know, they're structured and they're folded and they're already kind of set up and ready to go. And I think that worked better because there was definitely a bit of um, like them getting kind of squashed and out of shape when they're mm -hmm. just in the box without having any sort of packaging around them. So um, putting them directly in the mailers eliminated one plastic bag and then the second one that's still a bag is not plastic, but it was kind of like the necessary thing mm -hmm. that been at um so so yeah so basically it is that already but um I'm just trying to get it down to like 
I guess it's basically like what you said, paper and string yeah. or just like fully natural packaging. I mean, that's just another thing, like all other parts of your business that have so many different aspects to it. It's a little, every little thing has a spider web of other things that you have <laughs> to think about and deal with. Um, and that take time and development and finding out what works for you and what aligns with your values and how you can do it and, and keep it all going. So yeah. yeah, so much shit, like terrible shit, <laughs> just weeding through. I know. Um, yeah. There's a really beautiful company down in California that makes very sustainable dresses and they've even like built their own regenerative farm to produce the materials and they're called Christy Dawn. I don't know if. No, I think I've seen them. I didn't know about their sustainability side though. Yes. they. So if you need to reach out to someone, you could probably reach out to them and be like, what do you use for your packaging? And maybe they can totally. even the materials I mean I don't think the materials that they're making is what you're looking for because it's more for like flowy dresses but it's still a company that I feel like is through and through trying their best to do the best that they can in a world that has plastic and styrofoam and all this other terrible stuff I saw this uh meme the other day that was like has anyone tried unplugging and then replugging back in the United States (laughs) (laughs) Reset. Yeah, totally. Like that Reset. is awesome. But that's what we're doing now. I feel like right now is the time where like so much is changing. Like you see so many women in the business places and like just uh, reinventing our toilets, like something that's just so fundamental and relooking at the way we use our water. Like it's happening now and we are doing it. Yeah. We're doing it. Slowly but surely. But... Slowly but surely. That's day by day, man. Well, before we wrap up, Anna, can you just tell the people, like I said, this will all be in the show notes, but uh, let them know how they can follow you, find your website, check out Chick-fil-A some more, anything that you want to tell them. Go ahead. Thanks. Um, Yeah, we're at chickfly.com and on Facebook, we're at Chick-fil-A and on Instagram, we're at Chick-fil-A Pants. And um, between those two things, you'd find us on other things like YouTube and Convenio and those kind of things. <laughs> um, and you're welcome to message me or send us a, a email from our website. And I'd love it if you would sign up for our newsletter and you'll get a link to the download the free P manuals if you do that. Um, and I am interested in collaboration and, you know, working with other companies small companies and women-owned companies and that are just people trying to do the right thing so if you see a reason to connect please reach out and thank you both so much this has been a wonderful conversation this has been so good it went in so many ways that I never ever would have thought and that's again what I love about doing this is we just never know where it's going to go because it's a way for Amber and I to both dive deeper into the people and learn more about them and hear like the real real story not just what we see on the outward side Uh so thank you Anna so much for joining us Amber anything before we close out I think I've asked all the questions and said yeah just email me Amber and or or just yeah we'll get in touch and we can talk hydrology some more yes so important so important (laughs) all right Thank you, listeners. I hope that everybody out there got so much from this conversation because there's so much to be had from it in so many different ways. Inspiration in doing the thing and following your heart and your values in your soul. So we'll talk to you all next week. Thank you guys for joining. 
Bye. We hope you enjoyed this episode and would do us a huge favor since we don't have any sponsors or anything like that and would rate and review us on whatever platform it is you use, Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, uh, whatever it is. And if you're listening and downloading just through the website, tearingituppodcast.com, leave comments. Um, We'll definitely engage back with you. And on social media right now, we're just on Instagram, tearingituppodcast is the handle like the post, share the post, comment on the post, whatever it is you got, um, show us your love so we just stay relevant and show up in the rankings at all. So again, rate and review, please, and we'll see you next time. Thanks.